Good afternoon and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And uh, today we are going to play uh, as many shows as we can from the archives that uh, highlighted uh, the service and the work of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And the first uh, episode that we're going to rebroadcast was uh, back uh, January 16, 2009, and um, it features uh, Marcus Shelby, um, who was performing at the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, music tribute. And at that time, I think it was the seventh annual, and I think right now it's um, 25 or so, maybe more. And unfortunately, um, there is no In the Name of Love concert this Sunday. So, so this is for... Um, you know, all those concerts passed, and, and hopefully, you know, um, uh, the organization will be able to um, host it again next year. So we're going to start there, and, uh, and, uh, and then I will um, come back. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe we have time, you know, play another, another, um, another uh, episode from another year. I was thinking about 2021. But I also have an interview from 2015 um, with uh, Clarence Jones, um, Dr. Clarence Jones, who was um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speechwriter and attorney. Um, in fact, he uh, he's the one that uh, Dr. King smuggled out the letter from the Birmingham jail, uh, from the Birmingham jail. And you know that that really wonderful um, wonderful speech and. Uh, uh, someone is going to actually be uh, performing that particular um, speech next Thursday, the 20th. So go to wandaspicks.com to uh, to look at some of the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, events this weekend um, and next week. Some of them, um, I think most of them are virtual that I have posted. And uh, there's a film festival that starts this Friday at Stanford. Uh, university uh, curated by um, uh, Dr. Claiborne Carson and the Museum of the African Diaspora is having uh, some activities. They're all they're all virtual, um, and so that's listed. And there is um, an event in um, uh, in Miami, Florida, sort of honoring uh, the indigenous people. Um, this is a big anniversary of of some massacre or atrocity um, this weekend. So anyway, like I said, visit Wanda's Picks, W-A-N-D-A-S-P-I-C-K-S dot com. So here we are. Um, In the Name of Love is uh, is the seventh annual concert, and it's going to really be fabulous. I, I really enjoy, I enjoy this concert, and it's going to be featuring, as I said, Marcus Shelby Jazz Orchestra uh, with Faye Carroll, Kenny Washington, Janine Anderson, and Nicholas Beard, whose music I played earlier this morning uh, in a special 6 to 7.30 segment of Wanda's Picks. And uh, also featured in the uh, in the Name of Love musical tribute is uh, Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir, Destiny Arts Youth Performance Company, Oakland Children's Community Choir, uh, under the direction of Melanie DeMore, whose music I played a little earlier today, and Khalil Shaheed's Oaktown Jazz Workshop. And it's going to be moderated 
uh, or MC by Clifford Brown Jr. of KCSM, KDYA, KDIA, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful voice. And I am going to see if I can do this again. Um, the switchboard is not cooperating, and I don't know how come. Let's see. Hmm, keeps on telling me I have connection problems. So, uh, and I'm trying different servers. I might just have to um, shut it all down and try it again, which I think I might do. Okay, so while I do that, while I close everything and try again, because you know how technology is, sometimes things just don't work out. Um, there are so many wonderful things happening this weekend. Um, I believe something is happening at the Oakland Museum on Sunday, and, and then the Bringing the Noise with Martin Luther King Jr. is on Monday with Youth Speaks. That's going to really be really wonderful. And that's an annual event also. And I'm going to have Hadari on my show um, today, closing out the the two hours at 9.30. He's going to be talking about Bringing the Noise this year. And, you know, we've got a lot to bring in the noise about, right, because we've got our first black president, which is really phenomenal. And, yes, stick, stick with me. I am trying to get this thing together here. Let's see. Um, I am signing in again, trying to uh, see if I can um, <clears throat> uh, get my guests into the studio because I want you to hear from them. I want you to hear from Marcus and about is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, uh, suite that he's working on because Marcus Shelby is one of my premier composers and educators, and he does so much work around you know documenting Black history via art and culture. And this is you know going to be really fabulous too. And you're going to be really happy that you saw the piece in the beginning. You know before uh, it was all finished and everything. You say, yeah, I was there. When, um, you know, it wasn't all finished yet. Okay, let's try this again. Let's see if I can welcome Marcus into the studio. Let's see. Hmm, is it going to work this time? Oh, man, it is not working. I don't understand. Hmm. Oh, Marcus. Yes. Oh, finally. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy to hear <laughs> you. <laughs> is it there? Are we working now? <laughs> yeah, we're working now. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. You heard my running awesome. commentary. <laughs> oh, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So, you know, our sister, Miss um, Faye Carroll, is supposed to be calling. I called her. Um, so hopefully she'll be joining us. But in the meantime, okay. gosh, yeah, I was just rambling on about how fabulous you are, and you heard me. Um, so why don't oh. you tell us about this wonderful new work that you're going to be giving us a little taste of on Sunday at the uh, – the musical tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. Um, in Oakland. Well, uh, it's going to be a wonderful program. Not, there's other artists performing, of course, the Oakland Inter Interfaith Choir, which I'm looking forward to myself. And I'm just honored to be a part of this celebration because, as you mentioned, it's kind of a double, it's like a celebration bonus being uh, the election of Barack Obama who, uh, I mean, it couldn't have been planned any better because his story wouldn't have been possible in many ways uh, had it not been for the work that Dr. Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, all of our great forefathers and foremothers had done before to make life better for not only just black people in this country but for all people. 
and by extension the entire world. So this celebration has a double impact for me and I know for the community at large. And the work that we're going to be doing is going to be exploring the music that was so critical to the movement, of the civil rights movement in particular, and in even more specific uh, between 1955 when Rosa Parks made her, 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 her heroic stance against racism and prejudice by not giving up her seat on the bus until the death of Dr. Martin Luther King, which was 1968, April 4th in Memphis, Tennessee. And so the music that came out of that era, the civil rights songs, the freedom songs, all of this music that Dr. King himself called the soul of the movement, and that the reasons why they sang these freedom songs, these spirituals, were for the same reason that the slaves sang them. One was for determination. One was for hope. It was one way of unifying the masses to fight against these injustices. It was also a way of informing the masses of, masses of what was going on in the movement. A lot of these songs were, uh, the lyrics were specifically about these injustices, whether they were about uh, Laurie Pritchett, uh, or where they were about Orville Faubus, or where they were about the, the student protesters that were being jailed for simply standing up for their rights. And so these musics have great, this music, this freedom music has great worth in our culture because it shows how people, using nonviolent means, by the way, were able to take down an entire evil system, much like Gandhi did with his Indian free, freedom movements. Um, through the first part of the 20th century, using the same techniques. Dr. Martin Luther King actually studied uh, Gandhi's techniques to show the power of love, which is the name of this, uh, this concert coming up, In the Name of Love, showing how the power of love can conquer all of these types of things. And we can learn from this. We still have injustices going on in our society. Uh, I don't even need to mention what happened two weeks ago over in Oakland, but these type of injustices are still going on. We still have injustices that are on the books in our society, laws that do not give fair access and fair equality to all people. I mean, you, women still will have the same qualifications, the same amount of experience, and still are being paid less in the workplace. These type of things need to change. And I think that Martin Luther King showed us how we can come together, organize, Many times in these mass meetings, these songs, these songs were sung, songs like Ain't Nobody Gonna Turn Me Around, songs like Go Down Moses, which is one of the pieces we're going to do on Sunday, a rearrangement. Yeah. Yeah. Pieces like um, We Shall Overcome, another rearrangement that we're doing on Sunday, and showed us how music can be a, a critical part of really inspiring a movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us, you know, sort of, I mean, you know, since since I've known your work, I mean, besides being, you know, a presenter, I remember when when you um, uh, and your partner started the North Beach Jazz Festival, and um, and that was sort of when I first came to know you, and then, you know, you had your orchestra and you performed, but you've really become really well-known for your work that documents uh, the history of, of African Americans, you know, significant African Americans, you know, whether that's, you know, that that horrible, um, uh, I guess, uh, the tragedy of justice, tra yeah, with with the Port yeah. Chicago mutiny, you know, and those brothers mm -hmm. who were like forced to to load um, live ammunition, refused, mm -hmm. you know, those orders, and you know, and that's that's a lesson that 
soldiers today who are being ordered to torture, you know, their prisoners could look like, okay, well, court-martial me. I'm not going to do that. Um, right. And, and, you know, you document that, you know, um, you know Robert, uh, what's Robert's last Dr. name? Dr. Robert Allen. Yeah, Dr. Robert Allen, you know, wonderful yes. book, you know, is you know was a great treatise to that. And then, you know, you, you documented it musically. And then I believe, you know, some of the men, when they premiered at the um, African American Museum and Library, some of the men that were left, you know, that were still alive, or their mm-hmm. families were there to to be honored, you know, by this wonderful, you know, uh, artistic, you know, work that you uh, you composed. And then the Harriet Tubman, oh, my God, that is just phenomenal. Mm. And, Thank you. Uh, and then, you know, you've done other things, but those are just, you know, some of the, the ones that are coming to mind right now. And then now you're doing mm-hmm. something on King. And, you know, you always, you know, you're really literary and you, you do your research and you try to tell mm-hmm. the story as close to the way it happened as you can. Um, yeah, so talk about, you know, sort of this, this love of history. And also you have a birthday next month. Um, when is Oh. How <laughs> <laughs> did you know that? No, it's February 2nd. The day after, um, Lansing Hughes. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's no time to celebrate my birthday, especially (laughs) in the midst of Dr. King's birthday, but thank you. Well, I mean, a lot of the work that that, that I've been focusing on over the last decade, really, has been twofold. One is because I've always wanted to learn more about my history, and I've seen the value and how that's empowered me not so much just in music, but as an individual in my community. And now, you know, in the past 10 years, I've become a father. I have a six-year-old daughter. And what's been important to me is my mom always taught me my history. She told me about Nat Turner. She told me about Malcolm X, about Dr. Martin Luther King. She told me about um, Harriet Tubman. And so it's been uh, critical for me to teach my daughter the same history. And one part of that was to actually go back and learn that history and use music as a way of teaching that history because in every case, music has been a very important part of Harriet Tubman's story, Dr. Martin Luther King's story, the Harlem Renaissance. And so it's been not only uh, an academic exercise in one regard, but it's also been fun because I'm a musician and I love music and I love how music was, uh, a way that we communicated, a way that we expressed ourselves. It's a way that we changed history. And my hero, uh, Duke Ellington, was someone who was really effective of taking African-American stories, stories in history, and recreating them in a the musical format, much like the classical composers did. You know, Tchaikovsky, um, Shostakovich, um, Rachmaninoff, Debussy, all of these European classical composers, Bartok, they took their music from their indigenous cultures, the themes of their music, the folk themes of their music, and created these elaborate pieces that celebrated who they were. Well, that's exactly what I want to do with our blues-based music, music that was considered uh, illiterate, guttural music, that being slave songs, that being Bill Cries, Work Songs, Blues Hollers, and really magnifying the beauty in that music and showed how that music is a part of all of our music, uh, from hip-hop to R&B to rock and roll 
to country and western and uh, obviously in jazz and in blues and in gospel. But really showing how jazz music, in my case, is an extension of this beautiful art form that was created uh, by our forefathers and our foremothers, foremothers. And so this is exactly what I've been trying to do in finding these stories, excavating these stories, uh, um, and going back as a way to not only teach it to kids, because I work at uh, a number of schools. One of the schools I work at is Rooftop Elementary School, and part of our curriculum is really going back uh, to slavery and, and discovering the, these songs and how they have become part of our cultural history and embracing this music, not in shame, but in pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've been joined by Ms. Faye Carroll. Is that correct? That's correct. Oh, welcome. <laughs> Hey, Faye. Good morning, people. <laughs> How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, we're doing well. Thank you. Yeah, hey, I'm on the road here. Uh, I, I'm loving hearing Marcus talk, Marcus talk this morning. Oh, well, I didn't, I, love it. Chance, I didn't even get a chance to tell the people that my mentor now is on the line, Faye Carroll, who really embodies all of this history from the beginning to the current because she's both modern and she's history, and she's been able uh, to really show in her work uh, how this is done. And I've had the real joy and honor of working with her for really closely over the last couple of years, but for the past ten years. Yeah. But do you know, Wanda, uh, Marcus, along with Billy Higgins, was who was responsible, and Kiko was responsible for my first CD. Wow. Mm. So, um, I, yes, is <laughs> responsible for uh, you know producing the co-producing the flow. Uh-huh. So wow. I'm I'm just I'm always eternally grateful for that to begin with, mm-hmm. and to see how he has maintained such a high standard for himself as well as for the rest of the other musicians that he comes in contact with because he's so true to the art form. And the fact that, you know, history is my love, and I just don't think we can do anything going forward without knowing about what we did in the past and why and how we came about. And music, I always did get a, a kick out of thinking about history in terms of, like when I would look at my mother, I would think, well, now, what was she doing when she was four, say, mm-hmm. and it was 1930 or mm-hmm. something? And what was the clothes like? What was the politics like? What was the music like? What was the dances like? So it always kind of interested me from that standpoint. And my father, because whenever he would be humming any songs, there would always be something from Louis Armstrong or some blues song that I didn't think about. But whenever I would hear the blues coming up a little later on, it would always sound like that. <laughs> so it always... It would wig me out the caps of my father's generation how they had to use their ingenuity to make it because a lot of times they didn't have a lot of formal education, and that would always translate into music in the way that they would speak about it or sing it and the stories that they would tell. And, and then also how blues was our newspaper, 
You know, it, it, from, from from town to town, the cats would go, and that's how people would find out what the hell was going on from one city to the next. The weather, the parties, the who ran away with who, and you know, it, it just it had everything in there. It was just like a chronicle of our lives. So it just it's the best thing. But the more we became integrated, and the more we became assimilated. We seem to somehow want to put that down because um, it wasn't it wasn't educated oriented from a European standpoint. Right. But for us, it was everything. But when we so-called started moving on up, we wanted to kind of leave that behind. Well, by the time Marcus and I come along, Keto come along, Howard uh, Wiley come along, all of these kind of cats come along where they say, well, no, we're not ashamed of it. We're proud of it. We're going to learn about it. We're going to put it in our music consciously. And, you know, for our own self, make it alive. So I just really appreciate that. You know, you put me in my bra patch when you start talking about that. And I also, I started a program called Music in the Community, so I just wouldn't be bitching about the young people and what they didn't know and how they were not so affected by, you know, our history. So I have a, a program at Black Repertory Theater that kind of focuses the young people on the history in terms of music. And then when you talk about music, you have to talk about the whole thing because we're all living in a society with taxes and you got to go to the store and you got to go to church and some people was wrong and they had to go to jail and somebody went with somebody else's husband and so somebody else was happy, really, really happy because they got a raise on the job or, you know, so it's just still, it's still really useful in that way. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking uh, last night I went to uh, a concert at uh, Cal Performances um, this, uh, celebrating the uh, 70th anniversary of Blue Note Records. And, uh, oh, you went to that concert? I heard that was great. It was phenomenal, particularly um, um, Louis Nash on drums. He was, like, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, Peter Washington on, on bass. Um, yeah. Let's see, um, who's our brother on... Uh, trumpet. Oh, Nicholas Payton. Yeah, Nicholas Payton. Right, right. Yeah. And then there was another Peter on guitar who was really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then someone I had never seen before, uh, Charlotte, who I think it was his idea to do this. He was on piano. Bill Charlotte. Bill Charlotte, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then um, you know Robbie Coltrane on on tenor. And then, yeah. Uh, and this other brother. Um, uh, Steve Wilson on on alto and also on flute. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, ooh, it was like, ooh. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like yeah. oh, and then and I didn't realize, you know, it, it was ten thirty when they finished. I'm like, ooh, it's it's ten thirty. <laughs> yeah. And but I was just thinking about seventy years, seventy wow. years. It's like wow, of them documenting. You know, black music, and you know, if yeah. jazz will be a hundred years old, then you know, what about the other thirty years prior to that? And I think about, you know, um, they did songs, you know, from from the catalog or from the, um, uh, yeah, from the catalog for Blue Note, and one of the pieces was um, Art Blake from Art Blakey, and 
and I was just thinking about, you know, how people say that his his band was like a training ground for musicians. And I think about Absolutely. your your orchestra, Marcus, uh, as perhaps something like that. And I think of yours in particular, say how mm-hmm. you know you had you had you had high school students playing in your band when I used to come yeah. to you a long time ago. Like you know, look, uh-huh. at, yeah. look at your look at your star, <laughs> Howard Wiley, right? Like, yeah, oh. that's exactly <laughs> right. That's a, I believe that more so is playing with Faye has the Art Blakey uh, format because, you know, the people in my band are still young. I'm still, you know, still trying to, young in the music is what I mean, still trying to really find ourselves. But we had an opportunity to go to Italy with, with Faye and Keto this past uh, November. Yeah. And we was hitting every night, every night. Every it was like the, night. It was, like, it was like the last gig we were going to do. <laughs> And it was, uh, that to me, and it started with Faye because she really set the example from the leadership on down to the last cat in the band. And that's the type of thing that Art Blakey really, uh, Art Blakey, people like Art Blakey and other cats of his generation, that's the kind of standard that was set. And, and it was just so, it was so great being on the road with Faye and any time we go out because we always talk about politics. We don't just talk mm-hmm. about the history, but we talk about we were so into the election, so I into the <laughs> We celebrated Obama's victory in, in our hotel rooms over in Italy. But it was, it was I mean, it's just, for us, it's like oh. history is living. It's a, yes. it's a, it's a live, breathing right. animal. And, and it affects right. our music. It affects That's our music right now. So that was right. what I wanted to bring out. But I, I'm sorry, you guys. You know, I have to run off to my class over with the kids over at Rooftop. So I'm going to have to sign off here, Wanda and Faye. Okay. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, well, I'm so um, happy, Marcus, that we got a chance to say good morning. Oh, and yes. I, I know that those children are really waiting to see you, oh, so go get yeah. them. Thank you. And we're I'm going to look forward to seeing you Sunday. Sunday. We're going to hit Sunday. Yes, yes. That's right. All right. Well, thank you all, and I, um, God bless. I'll see you guys later. Okay. Mark. All right. God bless you. Peace out. Bye bye. Bye. So, Faye, um, you <laughs> yes. were telling me yesterday that um, I think uh, Marcus was the first one that wrote lyrics for you um, for a song. Yes. Keto, Keto did did you know your daughter? Uh, yes, wrote a she song did. But, she um, was the absolute first person to write a song in the name of me, and it was called Carolizing. And a wonderful up-tempo foray for the musicians to have a whole lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. And then when Marcus wrote uh, Harriet Tubman, he called and told me that he had had me in mind for that. And once we started working on it, it was just so tailor-made for me. I could not believe it. And uh, those lyrics were so powerful. So very powerful. I just every time I sing it, it's an emotional experience for me. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, it very much is. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we have a few more minutes, um, like two. Uh, I mm-hmm. think Clifford Brown is waiting in the wings. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite him on so you all can say hi to each other. Okay. Yeah, Clifford, is that you? No, this is Melanie. Oh, Melanie. Oh, well, super. You and, oh, two singers. Wonderful. Melanie, say hi to Faye. Hi, Faye. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you on Sunday night. 
Yes, I'm looking forward to Sunday night. We should have a lovely time. Absolutely. You should yeah. see my kids. They're so cute. <laughs> I can't wait, really. Yeah. I love seeing those kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I've got about uh, 150 of them this year. Oh, oh. my God. Oh, my that's, oh. that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. I'm up to my neck in second and third graders. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. That is so that is so amazing. Yeah, um before you before you um you go, Faye, because I know you're on the road going to visit your uh-huh. mother. Um uh-huh. you and you and Melanie could talk about, you know, the importance of uh, passing these traditions on because, you know, Melanie, you when I first met you, you were just like such an artist. I mean, I see you on stage, you know, for that the uh, African-American Shakespeare is like, oh, there's Melanie. Um, you know, and then, you know, and you're conducting this, this huge orchestra of children, you know, um, uh, you know, for this annual event. And, and then when I met you, I think you were the director for the Oakland Youth Chorus. Yes, I was and, one of the conductors for the OYC. Right, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then also whenever I, I go see, you know, Linda Tillery and the Culture Heritage Choir, like, you know, with, um, with our sister Toni Morrison, there you are, you know, uh-huh. and and so yeah, if you could you could both talk for a minute um, before you leave, Faye, and about the um, the importance of passing on this this tradition, uh, which is historic and cultural, and you know it's it's a nurturing of our spirit, but it's also a way for our children to remember, you know, our African heritage in a way that perhaps they're not getting it, you know, in the history classes in their schools. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. And now I, I imagine there are some people who are making an effort, so I won't just blanket, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. But the system itself does nothing to foster our history. So right. I think that I think that if we don't tell our own kids about the history, as well as other people's children, about the history, then they won't know. And if you don't know your history, then you don't know yourself. And I think that's a lot of a lot of reason why there's so much trouble with a lot. I don't like to blanket all the young people because there are a lot of young people really walking the straight and narrow path and trying to do the right things. But the ones that are kind of caught out there are like a leaf on a tide, just kind of going from pillar to post, not knowing who they are. And I think it's a lot of it because they're not connected to anything. And I find that when you're really connected with your history, then it just gives you another impotence for being a good person. It lets you know that you're not the only person in the world and that things then just start happening with you. And it also lets you know it should teach you gratitude because uh, the pe- Martin Luther King, uh, Sojourner Truth, Duke Ellington, Liz Armstrong, Bessie Smith, Ma Rainey, all of these people, went through something for us to be here now. So if we if we don't show an appreciation for that, we cannot say anything about other people who are consuming it at a very high rate. Mm-hmm. So we should right. be at we should be in on the consumption of our own history as well. And that's absolutely true and I find that a lot of kids and a lot of young people feel a disconnect, and I think it's our job, particularly as artists, um, to really hit them to the fact that, that the roots of everything in this country, musically and artistically, as African Americans, we have the, huge, the biggest influence, and this is just a fact. That's a fact. All over the world. A fact. In terms, everybody wants to be us. 
That's right. Everybody wants to know. We need to know <laughs> the facts and the roots of all of that. This is the thing I'm talking to my kids about. I said, you know what? Especially in these days, we can't be talking about the man this, the man that, because, you know, we are the man now. That's right. We are the ones. Just That's like Sweet right. Honey say, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I work with lots of young people and have for many, many years and um, did a lecture uh, demonstration with Ice Life yesterday uh, at the Urban School in San Francisco, and we did a whole piece on the civil rights and the importance of Martin Luther King, importance of Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and, um, and music and arts as a bridge to all of these things. You know, and I, I look at these little faces of these kids that I'm working with, and I think, you know what? It is my job as an artist to help you to connect to your voice. That's right. Know the truth of who you are, because there's so many things out there that try to deflect you from who you are. Mm-hmm. And you know, right. the biggest way, one of the ways, that, the biggest influence is the music. You know, mm-hmm. I said we couldn't, we couldn't throw any, we couldn't throw any rock or no roll. Without us. Not nothing. Absolutely. It's the same thing I tell my children because without us, there is nothing creative going on over here (laughs) in this land called America. You know, we are the creative force for this country, and it's not that there are other talented people. There aren't, and I don't, I don't ever want to make anybody think I'm versing anybody else because I, right. I don't believe, I don't believe in one music versing another. But mm-hmm. I also w- want to know that our our music has a very big contribution here, and the validity of it. We should be aware of that and have pride about that. Exactly. It's, 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 and it's not bashing anybody else to hold yourself up. And Absolutely. especially in the climate where our kids, and, and when I say our kids, I mean the kids that are down on the streets. Yeah. I mean, for, for a child like my child and other people who are concerned with their children and who are really trying to keep their kids on the straight and narrow, I think that they'll have a hard time doing that in the climate that we have, but it's very much achievable if you have parents who are in there working with them. But I'm talking about the kids who are latchkey kids or kids who don't have parents parental supervision or don't have anybody to care for them and they're just kind of on the street creating mayhem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's those children that we need to really, really reach that the programs and all of our efforts have a really hard time getting to the kids that are walking the streets. Right. Because these are the kids that are causing people to have fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think that if they had a sense of self in which history really gives you that, right? because the artists that have gone on before us have lived the same lives we have. Right. And, right. and, and when they can see that and connect it to Tupac or Biggie or mm-hmm. whomever, whomever is the flavor of the week in the pop generation now, uh, then they can see that it is all one thing. And Dr. Right, Martin Luther exactly. King, Dr. Martin Luther King and all of our social heroes and heroines, they all was connected with music in some kind of way. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's, 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 it's the thing that, that moves us and keeps us moving ahead. 
you know, I was talking to a group of uh, a group of uh, kids and, and talking to them about. Um, they were asking me like the connection between you know Martin Luther King and Barack Obama. I said, Are you kidding? Barack Obama is standing in the palm of Dr. Martin Luther King's hand today. That's why he is right. there. That's so right. If we kind of look at that, and if we realize that we're we are in the palm of not only not only God's hand, but in the palm of Martin Luther King, of Malcolm X, oh, no. of you know of Odetta, of Fannie yeah. Lou, of yeah. all of these people. You know, of Gandhi, they're all there. They're you know? all there. And they're, and they're we're all, all there. And the thing is, is that we're not just floating around in the air all all alone. And if you if you are going through a rough patch or you're feeling confused, if you know that you're in the palm of all of those people's hands, mm-hmm. then you can say, all right, okay, I'm not completely lost because I That's know right. I'm not hanging out in the air by myself. You're not and like the leaf on a kite. That's it. You know, so I mean, that's what I, I love about about working with young people and and this choir. When I see these little kids, you know, and and they're so excited. I, I was on the road. I was coming home from Canada on election day, and so I wasn't there for my kids. But two days later, I was at. I went to my rehearsal with all these second graders, and I looked at them and I said, "How are you doing?" And, Hello, Mr. Moore. Blah blah blah. And I said, "How's everybody doing?" What happened that's so wonderful? And they all, 70 of them at the time, said, Obama, Obama, Obama. And I thought, no. no. Excuse me, women, uh, ladies. Um, I think we've been joined by Clifford Brown. Is that correct? Oh, you certainly have. <laughs> oh, oh there's the voice. Ooh. Oh, I know. God, that's why it's early in the morning. It's a great thing. <laughs> It's really, really good to to hear all of you, and I've been enjoying the conversation. It's been very stimulating to as far as making me think, and actually, in some ways, even saddening me. As much as I think it's important that the children do learn about the connection with Dr. King and with with our culture, and and yes, there is no Barack if there is no Dr. King. It doesn't seem as if enough of them actually know this, and I know you're you're doing your part to make sure that they do. But what saddens me even more is it's a lot of grown folks that seem to have mm-hmm. forgotten the connection. Oh Lord, don't you get me started? Because I think the kids inherited what they have. Mm-hmm. They, so I, I think it's up to us as adults to teach a child the way in which we want them to go. Because mm-hmm. other than that, the, if they haven't been on the planet but fifteen seconds, they ain't supposed to know nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's if we don't tell them, then they're not going to know. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Clifford, could you talk about, because um, I know we've spoken before about, about your mother. Um, and by the way, um, we're speaking to Faye Carroll, Miss Faye Carroll, and Melanie Demore, and Clifford Brown, Jr., and all three of them, Clifford Brown, Jr., is the MC, and Faye Carroll is going to be performing with the Marcus Shelby Ensemble, and uh, Melanie Demore is going to be conducting this huge Oakland Children's Community Choir at the 7th Annual Musical Tribute Honoring Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. on Sunday, January 18th at 7.30 p.m. at Oakland Scottish Rite Center, 1547 Lakeside Drive. Tickets are $12 general admission, and for children 6 to 12, $5 and under 6, the uh, admission is free, and you can visit www.mlktribute.com or get tickets by phone, 800-838-3006. So I was wondering, Cliff, if you could talk about 
you know, your mother and um, and how she raised you, you know, in the absence of your dad who died, you know, so young. Um, and uh, and, and a, it was an accident, right, a car accident? Certainly. My father died in a car accident in 1955 on the Philadelphia Turnpike. Uh, he was an internationally known jazz trumpeter even at that point in his life, and uh, I think people have grown to appreciate his music even more since his death. But at that point, he still was, was very well known. And my mother, who had always been into a couple of things, one is education and the other being activism, uh, raised me to love and appreciate our music, you know, be it jazz, gospel, R&B, you know, whatever our music was. Uh, she she raised me to appreciate that and the connection that that has with all our lives. But she also raised me to feel a real sense of responsibility. And I can remember as a kid, you know, seeing her out on the marches and accompanying her sometimes in on marches and in protest and sit-ins. And so that's that's the background that I have. And I know I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, my mother was able to pioneer. People know about my father who are jazz fans, but my mother was a pioneer in her own right. She was the first black woman to work for a major modeling agency in Los Angeles when she worked for the Carolyn Leonetti Agency. Uh, she was a graduate from USC at a time when weren't a whole lot of black people going to USC. She, you know, she, she was uh, she was quite a woman and quite an inspiration to me. But one of the things that she really imparted on me was that the, for her belief, the path of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was the path that would not only give us hope and not only lead to progress, but would eventually get us to equality. Uh, she saw Dr. King even then as being prophetic because she said, and this is long before things came to pass, she said that Dr. King saw things that most of us couldn't even imagine. Now, the progress that we've made as a nation, there, there's no denying, there is progress. Things are not as bad as they were 30, 40, 50 years ago in most most aspects. There are some things that have to be changed now, but in most aspects there has been progress. However, one of the things I got from my mother that she got from Dr. King is progress is not enough. Progress mm -hmm. is wonderful. We need to keep striving to make progress. But mm -hmm. progress is not enough. The goal mm -hmm. is not progress. The goal mm -hmm. is equality and rights for all of us. Mm -hmm. So those are just a, a couple of things that I, I picked up from my mom. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. And and you um, you have a lot of uh, organizations like a foundation and things like that um, that you are, and, you know, you have a radio station. And yesterday you uh, played... Um, you know, around-the-clock, you know, speeches of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., right? Yeah, actually, um, coming up on uh, Monday on uh, one of my stations, on the Gospel Station, 1190 a.m., The Light will be playing the speeches and sermons of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. all day long, so uh, beginning at 8 a.m. and then going until 5 p.m. all day long. And, you know, some of Dr. King's speeches are very, very famous, and we know them. You know, everyone, I think, knows parts of the I Have a Dream speech. But there's some other sermons and speeches that he did that really, really speak mm -hmm. to the heart of what's going on in our nation today. I, I mentioned, right. in my opinion, the man was prophetic, and, and it just really speaks to it. There's a speech called uh, A Knock at Midnight, and in it, Dr. King really talks about what happens when you look around and things seem to be getting better, and suddenly the progress has stopped. What do you do then? What do you do when the things that you've been trying to do to get progress no longer work? And he, you know, being, being the preacher that he was, he draws analogies to the Bible. But uh, 
I want to invite everyone to join and listen. It's 1190 a.m. in the San Francisco Bay Area, the light, or online at www.gospel1190.com. Yeah, eleven ninety. I gotta remember that. A little bitty station, but well worth listening to. Oh, one of my yeah, one of my favorite speeches of his is the Nobel Prize one that he did, when he talks about the uh, the United States involvement in uh, the Vietnam War. Yeah. Yes, yes. And when the thing is, you know, you simply put in any of the things we're involved in right now, and he could have written that speech five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. The other thing that always amazed me, too, is that how we think of him um, once he had become Martin Luther King. We think of him. But actually, before all of the hoopla around and all of his greatness started to be evident to the world, is he was so youthful, and he was kind of drafted into being the spokesperson. Mm-hmm. He didn't like just wake up one morning and you know with this burning <laughs> desire to be the spokesperson. But I am not wake up and be and Dr. I, Martin Luther King today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's just and and to watch his growth, his evolution in the whole movement, and how he so galvanized. Because I'm a big person who likes to think that we should not be also separated youth from the elderly, from the this, from the that. I hate polarization, you know. Mm -hmm. And for him, he so galvanized everybody. It was all of the economic strata, all of the ages, all of the, just the entire black community. And then to reach out into the other greater community at large was just, I'm still just really blown away by how he could have done that. And and the changes that has happened. So with his, his input, Martin, um, Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, it was so much all of those different factions coming together. To, but him, he was so at the forefront of everything because everybody wanted to say, you know, violence is just not the way. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that just proves itself out. Right. And for him to be able to hold on to that in the midst of dogs and hoses and all of that, it's just, it, it blows my mind to this day. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he he portrayed that strength, he was willing to walk down the middle of those streets himself. He didn't. We wasn't sitting up someplace giving orders for somebody else to do it. It was right, right, him. Right. It was himself who was on the front line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to the moment of his death. I mean, mm-hmm. come right. on! How many of us would have that kind of courage? Mm-hmm. And get only hope. I mean. I wanted to yeah. interject, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. as well as his wife, um, you know, um, Sister uh, Coretta Scott King. You know, they all, you know, there was there was a sound to the movement. You know, there was culture was always connected to, you know, to revolution is always connected to revolutionary movements and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and African culture and African American culture. And uh, Melanie, in the yeah. earlier show, I actually had a show from six to seven thirty where I featured a. Uh, David Hardiman, who has, he's doing a, a concert um, for his 34th anniversary of his big band 
on Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day at Yoshi's, uh, two shows, 8 and 10. And so, Melanie, I play, you know, your your uh, rendition of We Shall Overcome, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, Mary Watkins on piano. And mm-hmm. I wanted wanted you to talk about, um, you know, the, uh, I guess, the, the music of, of the movement, you know, but it's connected to, you know, the Negro spirituals, which is connected mm-hmm. to the blues tradition, which is connected to jazz, which mm-hmm. is connected to hip-hop. So, yeah, I was wondering <laughs> if you could talk about it. And then, of course, um, you know, Clifford, you can jump in and, and uh, Miss Carol, you can. Well, actually, I'm going to have to run as much as I hate to. Oh. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to <laughs> run. But I have so enjoyed this, and I just want to thank the other, your other guests for allowing me to speak with them. And I'm looking so forward to Sunday. And Clifford, I just have to say to you quickly, your mother was an angel to my daughter. Yes, she, she loved Hito. You know that. Today, it was Anthony's Taylor who introduced us to your mother. So yes. I just have to put that in the universe oh, and say, yeah. and, yes, and thank you for Anthony's and all she did for the young people, and thank you for your mother. I just say, have to I know say you said that. You're welcome. I, I know you said you have to go, but I have to have to say the last album, the uh, Faith Singers Lady Day, is just mm-hmm. incredible, and I'm really oh. looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you that you guys just made my day, my week. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you all and getting my hugs. All right. Give my love to mother. <laughs> all righty. God bless you all. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> so, so Pay is amazing. She's, she's just incredible. Every time I, I hear her perform or I see her perform, I just have to shake my head and go, that sister is deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she ain't playing. I love that. You know, it's really great. So, yeah, you know, the whole music, uh, that component. I mean, let's let's face it. Without the whole, the musical tradition, really, the movement, really, actually wouldn't have moved. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, and of course, on a lot of the music. Um, of the of that era, of course, was was really based traditionally in in the church and right from the spiritual. I mean, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's a lot. Our music tradition, there really is the music of a lot of other movements, not just you know the civil rights movement. You know, it's it, you know, and the workers' movement and the women's movement and everybody. Our music really speaks to the human condition. Yeah. It really speaks to the to to the strength and endurance of oppressed peoples and I think that's why globally people can really really connect to it. And um you know uh, my uh, my choir at St. Paul's school uh I've got let me see 50 sixth graders there and I also have 200 kids at Making Waves Academy in Richmond. But um I I usually I teach my kids uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, old civil rights tune Dog Dog. Yeah. You know that so I, I do that a lot with my kids, just because it's such a great basic song of really talking about, you know, if, if animals and dogs can get along, what is our problem? <laughs> Not rocket science. You know. No, do, do you find that the, the children really grasp it and they understand, they get it when you when you teach them that way using using songs? Completely. Yeah. And we talk. I usually because I teach acapella singing at at, at the school and and. Um, that a way that I, I it's the way that I teach them most things is is through a song. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, most things that I teach them has a meaning and has roots because I really want them to realize that things don't just come out of the air. Yeah. And that um and and that they can really by just singing this music it can really give them insight into not only the people's struggle, but how you deal with the struggle, how you walk with the struggle, how you give voice to a struggle, because sometimes words alone just aren't it, but you put a melody and some rhythm to it, and then it's on. I agree so I with think you that that's really, really important. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think often think of um, our music being at times just the soundtrack to American life for all Absolutely. Americans, even Absolutely. for folks who, who don't even begin to get it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, from uh, the early times of the field hollers, giving mm-hmm. way to the spirituals, to gospel, to R and B, to jazz, and now to hip hop, mm-hmm. you find our music always ends up permeating pop culture and becoming a part of, of more than just what it started out to be. You know, oh, more than just uh, an expression of our experience, and right. folks who may not even know anything about our experience end up embracing it as, as well. So it's uh, really something that influence that can, our, our art continues to have not only on this nation but on the entire world. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I had the privilege for being a founding member for 18 years with Linda Tillery in the Cultural Heritage Choir. Yes, yes. And um, I, I, what an experience uh, that, uh, that was to be steeped in the musical cultural roots constantly on the road and to be living that was an incredible experience and you know Linda Tillery let's just talk about that sister for a minute mm-hmm. you know she her, her legacy in the bay area and really in the whole world is 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 absolutely incredible as an ethnomusicologist and and just a crazy vocalist <laughs> I agree with and you. musician <laughs> and a great great friend it literally it changed my life singing in the Cultural Heritage Choir. It changed my life. When you, to be, like I said, living in the culture in that kind of way, in the vocal culture, all the time, it absolutely expanded my, my whole world and my way of teaching, my way of singing, my way of being, my way of walking around on the planet. And, you know, we, we often wondered, you know, how young people would... would uh, React to our to our music because you know a lot of times kids think well that's that old stuff but baby when we would get up there and start bumping with that rhythm mm-hmm. talking to them about the music and where it came from and that there would be no hip hop without the roots of this music yes I, that's the thing that was so exciting to me to see these people just light up and go that is the stuff mm-hmm. and then to start to incorporate those things into what they were doing. And that's the whole, that's what's so powerful about our music is that it's really the ways in which it reaches out into the world and the community, as you were saying, Clifford, is just infinite, infinite. Well, you're talking about the times with uh, Linda Tillery and the Cultural Heritage Choir, and it just brought a smile to my face because I, <laughs> I just can remember so many times whether y'all were performing in a, a huge auditorium in front of thousands of people or just in a, a little small environment and, and there may be 20 or 30 of us, where you would the music would incorporate everything from uh, ancient African rhythms and, and melodies to James Brown to just about everything in between of, 
of any genre. And it was just always so incredibly hip and so much fun. And I could bring my children. This is when they were much younger. Their their kids have grown now. But my children, and they would just really enjoy it. I would enjoy it. I could bring my mom, and she would enjoy it. And it just seemed to span all ages. And it's rare, I think, that that I find that that musics that do that, where music will get someone to be open-minded enough that they can enjoy it and grasp it. Because I think if you're open-minded, you can enjoy anything or any type of thing that's good. But the music and the way that it was presented would always just seem to open up hearts and minds. Well, thank you, Clifford. I appreciate that. That's that's what we always want to do, you know. What we always want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Melanie, um, you got this quote that you sent me as a part of your bio. and it's from your writings. It says, "A song can keep you on your feet when there seems to be no ground beneath you," and that's that's really really lovely. And mm-hmm. and also, I was noticing um, that you're also a supporter of Mecca Middle Eastern Children's Alliance, and you know, and the horrible stuff that's happening mm-hmm. right now, you know, uh, in in Palestine, you know, um, with mm-hmm. Hamas and and the uh, Israeli government. So many mm-hmm. people, children and other innocent people being killed. And then you're also a member of Speak Out, so that's not really a question. Those are statements. But <laughs> um, we don't have a whole lot more time. But if you want to speak to, um, you know, your relationship to Mecca, or if you want to talk about this, um, this this quote, a song can keep you on your feet when there seems to be no ground beneath you. And then, Clifford, I wanted to ask you uh, once more if you could give us the uh, the website for your, your radio show and the call number so people can tune in on Monday. Oh, sure. I'm going to definitely do that. And you want to go first, Melanie? Um, sure. I I absolutely believe that. You know that that uh, it's the reason that I wrote with that quote because it, the whole thing that we've been talking about is music and the song being the thing that moves the movement. And you know when you when you're out there and you're marching and you're marching and people start to get tired. If you raise a song, you call the song. You're energized to be able to take that one more step to go that one more mile to to stand up a little bit taller again the music feeds you the song feeds you the spirit feeds you and i believe that when we call and raise a song that we're not doing that by ourselves that there are the voices of all of those people who went before us who maybe were in a situation where they didn't have a voice when we open our mouths we give voice to all of those who cannot speak and that's the thing that's the most important to, to me about the music and about sometimes, you know, when 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 you just can't go on. And, you know, we would start we would start calling out, call them on. Because maybe there's not any words. Maybe all we can do is make a sound. And that sound gives us a little bit more breath to keep moving. That's what I think. Well said. My goodness. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing you, too, and I'll I'll be hurting a whole bunch of little kids. I've seen you do that before. (laughs) Lord. We had a a mass rehearsal the other day, and it was a sea of little children. Mm, That's so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, for those who want to listen on Monday, we'll be playing the speeches and sermons of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, that's 1190 AM, The Light, KDYA. Uh, you can also hear us online at 
gospel1190.com. That's gospel and then the numbers 1190.com. So that's the easy way to uh, to get us there. Sunday, I am just so excited about it. I don't, don't know how to put it. It will be at the Scottish Rite Auditorium, uh, Marcus Shelby's Jazz Orchestra. And Marcus, not only a, a fine musician, but a writer, uh, I think one of the baddest, coldest arrangers on the entire planet, great orchestra mm-hmm. leader, educator, historian, and nice guy, too. I just love this brother. So he'll be there. And you heard Faye Carroll a little earlier. She'll be singing Kenny Washington, Jeannie Anderson, Nicholas Beers. So it's going to be a pretty phenomenal group. Uh, Oakland yeah. Interfaith Gospel Choir will be there. Uh, Melanie Desmar will be there with... Uh, with her children and the uh, the youth performance company, and that should be great. The yes, yes, the Oakland Children Community Choir. It just should be a wonderful time to not only celebrate the life and the goals of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as we we slowly see those dreams come to reality. I mean, Barack Obama is going to be the president, and that's definitely one of the things that Dr. King mm-hmm. predicted. But we'll also see that we're not done yet. And I think all of us who, who live life know right, we're not we done yet. There's a whole lot left to do, and I think this will help galvanize us and energize us as we continue to take these steps because we have to reach these yeah. goals. Progress is not enough. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, well, thank you, both of you, um, for being on the show this morning to talk about Dr. King and, and what you're up to. And, and uh, Clifford, um, so people want to catch you on KCSM on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. What's, Sundays, what's yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I'm shameless with the plugs. Sundays, <laughs> noon to 2 p.m. Pacific yeah. time, and that's on uh, FM 91.1 KCSM, the Bay Area's jazz station. Or you can uh, just join us at www.kcsm.org. So, so you can wind down after church with Clifford Brown. This is like so. <laughs> and then well, wind down after church, and then come on down to to Scottish Rite Temple. Yeah, have totally. a full day, yeah. right? A full and then, Sunday. Right. And I, I'd actually like to thank uh, Rhythm Concepts and Stacy Hoffman for actually putting this the incredible uh, tribute on every year because it's it's a huge undertaking. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when it was at uh, First Congregational Church of Oakland, mm-hmm. and then it outgrew. I mean. First, it was you know people could barely fit, and then after the next couple of years, it's like there is no uh-huh. people to go. <laughs> yeah, but it is so nice, and then what's really wonderful is how you know people are honored who are doing the work you know, while they're alive, and and people can join them. You know, we can organize, as Kwame Ture told us. You know, we need to organize to keep mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. revolution, you know, alive and and well and moving because you know. King's vision, you know, has been personified in Barack Obama, but still he can't do it by himself. And we have a, oh, oh my goodness, the world is in a terrible state, and our country needs You have to remember that, that, you know, we elected him, and he's just a man, and he's not going to be able to change any of this stuff in any in any time. It's right. going to take him a long time, and we got to give the brother a chance mm-hmm. to do what he can do. Right. Because, you know, sometimes, especially in, in our culture today, where we want everything to be fixed yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, we have no patience for the process. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Well, I've been joined by my next guest. Uh, I don't know if you if you know um, uh, Miko. She's a, a uh, gosh, oh, she's a, um, uh, a country uh, singer. Do you know Miko Marks? Oh, I think, I think so. Um 
Was she playing down at the artist cafe? Yes, uh, I was. Okay. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so you'll be able to catch Miko at um uh the Oaktown Jazz Workshops fundraiser on Wednesday at Yoshi's. Um in Oakland, uh, Miko? Right, it'll be in okay. Oakland. Yeah, yeah. But you know, on Sunday Oaktown Jazz Workshop is gonna be at in the name of love and but Khalil has actually been asked to give a talk about Martin Luther King Junior. So he's not gonna actually be there. On, on Sunday, but his band will be there representing. Mm-hmm, right. That so should be really cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, um, so Melanie, um, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, and thank you so much for your flexibility. I'm so sorry you had, you got up so early this morning. Hey, um, that's all right. You know, us musicians, it's for you know 7:30. But you know, for you know, Wanda, I don't mind doing that to you. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so Listen, you take care. Take all care, right, yourself, and I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Sure. Or day after tomorrow. Right, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, All right, peace and blessings. Take care. All right. Well, Miko, oh, I think we've been joined. Um, hmm, let's see. I don't know who we've been joined by. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, who have I been joined by? This is Wanda's picks. I don't recognize the number. Hello. Hi, who have I been joined by? Hi, this is uh, Mawata Kenyatta. Oh, from uh, San Francisco State University, performing arts oh. and lectures. Yeah. And um, I'm a huge country music fan, and now I'm a Miko Marx fan. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> How you doing there, girl? It's my pleasure. How y'all doing down there? Doing well. You know, it really, it really tickles me really great. that just, uh, you know, I'm from Texas, Port Arthur, oh. Texas, and um, I grew up listening to country music, and I wanted to odd brothers I were rather considered odd when I came over here and now I found some people from the same roots and love of music that I'm from and I, it just oh, it's almost a joy you know well it's my pleasure to meet you well, it's my pleasure to meet you Hi. and uh, I think that uh, I would love to see if I could get a play date uh, with you guys uh, over here at San Francisco State I'm know? sure that could be arranged you know, I'm uh, sure. But uh, you know, I would you know, yeah, and our students, you know, I think you know, for culturally speaking, you know, I think our young people should you know have more of an exposure to this southwestern and country music heritage because it's all Americans. It's not just a selected group who enjoy and and have a lot to uh, be thankful for. This, you know, I really uh, think that um, people like yourself and and others, and I can personally say that, you know, I wish that, you know, we could keep that link going on so our people can appreciate our country music heritage because yeah. it is That's an American right. heritage. Yeah, it well, is. And, well, thank uh, you so much, um, Kenyatta. Um, I'm gonna, I want to talk to Miko. <laughs> so, okay. um, so, Miko, uh, what's your website? Um, my website is MikoMarks.com, and that's M-I-K-O-M-A-R-K-S.com. And um, I want to let your listeners know that there's a free download on there that they can um, log on and get for free. It's my song, Mama, which I did the video with Erica Badu. And so just log on there. You might be pleasantly surprised about what you hear. Okay, super, super. Yeah, you know, um, your your manager husband emailed me uh, <laughs> this morning, and I didn't have a time to upload any of your your um, your songs, particularly the one that everyone would probably recognize. Uh, but maybe before the show is over, I might be able to do that. 
Um, okay. So, yeah, so tell me, Nicole, you know, I heard you uh, interviewed um, on KPFA, Greg Bridges' show, and I really love country music, and uh, I don't know why people think that country music is um, is not uh, a part of our heritage. Uh, I don't know where I that know. perception comes from, because country music is like the blues. Um it you know, is. It's an instrumentation, perhaps. <laughs> right. And that's totally the only, that's the only difference I see. Like the banjo was actually an African instrument that was brought over here to the United States. So that's where the banjo originated. And so um, if we look back far enough, we can find our roots in country music. Um, there was um, DeFord Bailey, who was a member of the Grand Old Opry, who entertained in the beginning stages of the Grand Old Opry. So we have a lineage in country music, and I just love being a storyteller, and I love the music in and of itself, and I'm glad to be doing what I want to do as opposed to what people expect or think I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So are, are you are you from the South, or um, are you um... – because um, the the, list, the, uh, the listener who um, who commented before uh, he mentioned that he was from Texas and Melanie Demore, uh, who sings with the uh, Linda Tillery Cultural Heritage Ensemble, uh, she's I believe she's from Texas as well as a lot of other members of the group. And so it's kind of a natural thing, you know, if you if a person is singing country music if you're from the South or from right. Like, but you know, if you're from like the West Coast. I am from the Midwest, actually. Oh, I'm from Michigan. Okay. okay. But my yeah. family um my family did migrate from Mississippi up to Michigan. So I'm sure that some of that country music came along with them. Like I was listening to uh Johnny Paycheck, Waylon Jennings, Charlie Pride when I was growing up as a kid, along with um Gladys Knight and Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. and a lot of gospel. I was exposed to several different types of music. And um I'd have to say I just gravitated towards storytelling and country music as I grew older, it really found me. I didn't look for country music. It kind of just found me through the songs I was writing. Like, uh, Fly My Way Home was the first song I wrote on my first album, Freeway Bound, and I was kind of struck by the comments I got from different people, like, oh, that sounds country. And then I was just kind of like, why not do what's coming natural out of me that way? So I have to say country music did find me. Right. I was wondering about uh, some of the um, the themes uh, of the songs that are part of your, um, I guess your uh, your collection. You know, um, the music that you have published so far. And so, what have, what sort of inspires you? Um, you know, to write and, and you know and and create this music. Well, you know, it's it's really funny because. Um I get inspired from so many different things, it, just living life um, by my family, my son, by the people that I know. Uh, for instance, I used to work in San Francisco and in the financial district before I started doing music um, wholeheartedly. And I would walk over, um, you know, just people that are downtrodden or homeless, and, and, and it inspired me to write a song about it called The Lonely One, which is on Freeway Bound as well. And it was like I just started to think this could be you or me. We need to help these people in any way that we can. And um, so I get a lot of inf- inspiration from just everyday life and interaction with different people. There's a song out there on every corner, on every street. <laughs> there's a there's a song to be written on the, on every situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the benefit. How how do you know Khalil Shahid? 
Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, this is a long story. I have to tell you, Brother Khalid is just a phenomenal musician and person, inspiration to me. I actually met him last year um, while he was working at um, Allen Temple, I believe it was, and he was doing a music program with the youth, and I actually was a part of coming in and performing the country music for them and my songs and talking to them about theory and, you know, and that was my first time meeting Khalil, and he just really opened my eyes to a whole new world of music with the Mo Rockin' Project, and we performed at Yoshi's in San Francisco. I, I sat in with him, and just amazing how, you know, you can be so tuned into what you're doing in one channel when there are so many different channels out there, and I was just taken aback by the music that he was putting forth, and so I was really inspired. Whew. I'm getting inspired talking about it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, yeah, that's great. You know, I've got these callers, and I'm not certain if one of them is Khalil because I don't recognize them. Let's see who this is. Okay. Uh, hello, this is Wanda Sticks. Are you one of my guests? Hi, this is Michelle. Michelle. I'm I'm Michelle Martinez. I'm a new new to country music, but I did actually um, listen to the song Mama and thought it was beautiful. And actually, hi Michelle. It's nice to hear a woman of color sing country music. <laughs> Definitely, it's going to bridge some you know well needed gaps between cultures. So I appreciate that you're out there doing it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate great. you calling. Yeah, I also want to know um, what inspires you and how your songwriting career began, because I have a young daughter who is a songwriter as well, and and you know, it's interesting how songs come out. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. I actually wrote my first song when I was like eight years old, and there wow. was like a a jingle to you know, Kool Aid was big back then, at least for me, and I wrote this Kool Aid jingle. <laughs> and um, so I have to say that was the first song I ever wrote But again, I get inspired from just everything Like my my husband, David Hawkins I wrote a song, um, one of my first songs Which was called I Believe in You And then I have um, Double Dog Cheater Now, I don't know any cheaters But I definitely wrote a song about them Because <laughs> I'm sure they're out there somewhere <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, um, on Wednesday, I'm looking for my, my details. I don't know if you have them in front of you, um, Miko, but the concert uh, fundraiser for Oaktown Jazz Workshop, which is a program that uh, provides music, music education to uh, school-aged children uh, in Oakland and also in San Francisco Bay Area, and it's free. Um, the fundraiser is at Yoshi's in Oakland, and it's going to feature uh, Khalil Shahid and with special guests Miko Marks and Kev Choice and anybody else? Uh, oh, Faye Carroll. Um, yes. And I don't know if anybody else. And it's um, it's going to be at the Oakland Yoshi's, which is um, in uh, near the um, I guess uh, Embarcadero, which is um, yes, like Jack London Square. Jack London Square and the. Mm -hmm. uh, Email address is yoshis.com, or you can call the club. I believe the number is 510-238-9200. And so the, the donations are tax-deductible because it's, uh, Oaktown Jazz Workshop is a uh, nonprofit organization and definitely need to keep music out there, you know, as, um, you know in, in the schools and also in the community because 
they've cut so many um, arts programs. So it's really wonderful, right. you know, Miko, that you know that you are participating in this this benefit. And do you have any concerts coming up? Um, well, other than uh, the show starting at 8 p.m. on Wednesday at Yoshi's, um, I will be performing um, at the Saddle Rack in Fremont, which is um, it's a country western club, but it's huge. It's out here in Fremont, and, it, and you can go to MikoMarks.com and find out all my performance dates on there. And um, I'm looking forward to Wednesday because it's just a historical time for us as African Americans, and it's just an amazing thing to be a part of. And anything I can do for the youth to keep them involved in music and the arts, I want to be a part of it. Right. Hands well, down. Yeah. We have another caller, and I don't know if this is someone Hello? who's one of your fans. Hi. Uh, Hello? Who am I speaking to? This is Wanda's Picks. This is Kev Choice. Oh, hey, Kev. Uh, Hi, Kev. <laughs> Hey, how you guys doing? Oh, wow, yeah. Um, you know, Kev, I just really, really love your work. Um Thanks you know, so you're much. you're such a well educated man. Um mm-hmm. well <laughs> I mean educated. you have a master's degree, you play classical yes. piano, you mm-hmm. you play and you sing and you rap all at the same time. Um you you know, study jazz in the Orleans Xavier University and mm-hmm. you got a master's degree there and you know, you're just really phenomenal and you know, on your birthday uh, you came out with a new CD. So why don't you talk to us about your work and uh, your inspirations. You know, I guess, you know, we haven't actually talked about Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. and the eve of, you know, our first black president. And, Kev, you actually right. wrote a song about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, during the campaign, I, um, I did a song. I was inspired, you know what I'm saying, just by the whole the campaign of Barack Obama. I mean, it was really inspirational, you know what I'm saying, to have a, even a black candidate. That was Inspiration. I mean, we didn't even expect him to win at first, but once the primary started coming in and, you know, it started looking like he was getting a lot of people behind him, you know, I decided to do a song called Change Is Gonna Come. Kind of, I kind of took the old Sam Cooke song and kind of remade it with a new twist, talk about the change that Barack Obama was bringing in. You know, it was, it was a positive song. I mean, a lot of people were doing songs at that time that I felt weren't really representative of what Barack Obama stood for, you know what I'm saying? So... I definitely wanted to put something out to speak to you about Obama and just to show my support for him. And it's, it's really, I'm really grateful, you know what I'm saying, that I had a chance to do that. And I also just did a five-song EP called The Inauguration that I'm going to put on my website on Tuesday that people can download. And it's all songs inspired by Barack Obama. So um, I just finished that like this week, so I'm pretty juiced about that. Well, I just want to interject real quick here. Um, Kev, I saw you at Yoshi's um, with Martin Luther, and that was the Mm -hmm. first time I ever seen your show, and it was phenomenal, and I'm looking so forward to performing with you next Wednesday at 8 at Yoshi's, and I just want to say I am just stoked to see you perform, so you got the band right here. And, I mean, I've been hearing so much about you. I've yet to see you perform, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a mutual respect and admiration. I mean, we both bringing something different to the table, and I mean that's that's a good thing that we had that talent. We've been blessed with to bring something different and let people see our different sides of talent that we can present. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. Right. It's going to be a great show. I mean, I show, the lineup from top to bottom is, is worth the wait. You know, what I'm saying worth just wait and go. Each one of those artists can have their own night at Yoshi's, but to have them all in one night, you know, what I'm saying. And I mean, I work with the actual O Town Jazz Workshop. I teach with the kids, and they have some. Great kids in there. A lot of them go on to go to college and study music. You know, become 
know what I'm saying, composers and just great improvisers, so it's good. And we do this every year. I've been a part of this for a couple of years, you know what I'm saying? This is my first time with my group, but it's always a great night, great performance from from top to bottom. So I hope everybody gets a chance to come out and check it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you um you mentioned uh the the children that you know, um, that are nurtured uh in you know, in the Oaktown Jazz uh workshop mm-hmm. environment, um, you know, from you know, really young, like elementary school, on up to mm-hmm. high school, and then they go to college, and then they come back, and then right. they, you know, come and then they support. Exactly. But they I come back to... and make us want to practice harder, so they be like, <laughs> they come oh, back playing stuff like, whoa, like, okay, I'm gonna have to practice, get ready for the <laughs> workshop next week. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good though; it's, it's inspirational. It is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Kev, I know that you uh, you were also a part of the. Um, the Young Musicians Program at UC Berkeley, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, and uh, Mika, I was wondering, were you a part of any, um, uh, I guess, music education kind of programs when you were coming up, you know, as as a young artist? And I wanted both of you all to talk about, you know, who's in your band and to talk about the importance of live music. Oh, yeah, I was deep involved in choir growing up. Um, okay. At 15, I sang at Carnegie Hall, and I was just, that was the first time I got on a plane and went to New York. I was taken aback coming from Flint, Michigan. That was, like, huge. So I've always um, went to college on a music scholarship. I went to Grambling State, and oh, that's, that's nice. where I met, yeah, I met Erica Badu there. We started a group, and I just kind of went from there. Uh, she went hip-hop, I went country. But I try to keep my son involved in music He's, matter of fact, he's at Oakland School of Arts Which is a great school that just moved to the Fox Theater So music is my life And and I have a great band um, Just several fiddle player, banjo player um, Brian Bazile, who's on drums And Victor Campos, who's on guitar And just anybody who can come along with a string instrument I'm down for it (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> oh wow, that's great. Um, so you're from Michigan. Wow. Yeah, so Flint, Michigan. isn't Flint the home of uh, Elvin Jones? Yep. Yeah, and and uh, you Flint's know, all the those, home all of those... uh, Ready for the World, MC Breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Stevie Wonder was 20 minutes away in Saginaw. I mean, there's a lot of talent out of out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's something yeah. in the water. <laughs> it has to be, yeah, Michigan and Philly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then, you know, Kev, are you are you native Californian? Uh, yes, I was uh, native, native Oakland. Well, born in San Francisco, but San I pretty Francisco. much grew up in Oakland my whole life. Okay. I never really lived in San Francisco, mm-hmm. but um, I've been over here since I was even from elementary, from kindergarten on. I lived in Oakland, Oakland Public Schools. I um, I, I got my start playing piano in Oakland Public Schools. Uh, just taking a piano elective and um, just really just caught on real fast and that's from there on it was it was it was on from there you know doing classical and jazz and also making my, producing my own beats I mean I started doing that when I was like 12 years old and so I just been doing music ever since got a chance to go to Xavier University in New Orleans you know saying get my bachelor's degree in Southern Illinois University Carbondale for my master's degree so. Uh, came back home and just kind of just started working out here, just grinding and touring with different groups. And, uh, my first tour with Michael Franny and Spearhead. And, oh, okay. and I toured with Guapale for a couple of years. And uh, this hip-hop artist named Lyrics Born. And, uh, Lauren Hill and I mean, 
Martin Luther, a lot, just a lot of different people. Too short. I've kind of just been making my living as a musician since I was a kid. Right. Yeah. So um, when you um, you took uh, piano in school, was that your first exposure to to? That was my first exposure to formal lessons. I mean, if I kind of used to do little entertainment things, like you know, me and my cousins used to make little dance steps. We always kind of wanted to entertain in some form of fashion, and I knew I was drawn to to keyboards or pianos whenever I would see them in people's homes. I would kind of like you know. I just remember kind of dabbling, but not. It was never. I never had a keyboard on my own, or I never took formal lessons. Mm-hmm. But when I started taking those formal lessons, it was like after the first couple of months, my teacher really noticed. I mean, I was really into it, and I was really working hard, and I was really practicing. And I would come to school every day, just you know, saying, showing my um, showing my progress. So mm-hmm. it was really good. At the end of the first first year, I did like a whole. I did a recital, and it was like it was obvious that's what I was meant to do mm-hmm. from that yeah. point. Yeah. What what school did you go to? This was a Westlake Junior High School in Oakland, California. Oh, okay. Right on Harrison. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and then uh, where'd you go to high school? Skyline? Uh, Skyline, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, you're also a really phenomenal writer. I just love one of your pieces where you just talk about, and also in your concert, I'm sort of jumping around here, in your concerts, uh, you, you give affirmations to people, um, you know, about how... I think it was something about being a star. It's one of your songs you tell yeah, me. Well, that yeah, yeah. You want to be that shining light. You got to think yeah, like a yeah. star. Yeah, I mean, my whole point of doing music, I mean, it's, it's really to inspire people mm-hmm. and whatever they want to do, you know what I'm saying, in their life to show them that, right. number one, you have to push yourself. You have to be at the top of your game. You have to push yourself. You can't just sit around and think things are going to come to you. And I try to put a lot of work. I mean, I put in a lot of work. I mean, the hours of practice, the, you know, saying the rehearsals, everything. I, I try to play that in my show, like just by going all out and showing people that here's a young brother who came up, you know, saying from an inner city environment, who went on to get a master's degree in music and is pursuing his dream, and he's excelling and he's constantly pushing himself. So by me demonstrating that, I hope that people can pull that from from my performance and take it in their everyday life. And even in my music, I try to speak on positive themes or motivational themes or just real live experiences. I'm not really one of those braggadocious rappers or trying to talk about all the things I have or the women or, you know what I'm saying, the money. Like, I'm not really along that vein, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have songs that are fun, you know, maybe about partying. I'm not really about the clubs and stuff. So I'm really more just about motivational music, just like my, my hero, right. you know what I'm saying, from, from Marvin Gaye, you know what I'm saying, to uh, Stevie Wonder or even to Curtis Mayfield, you know what I'm saying, or mm-hmm. even the lyricists who I listen to, like Nas or Common or Talib Kweli, you know what I'm saying. So I kind of be try to be on that vein of motivating people and inspiring people to push themselves in their day-to-day life. Yeah. You know yeah. It's about making music that you're proud of and, and that, you know, when I look into my son's eyes, I know that he's looking, he's being represented well. I'm not painting this different picture for him or being something that I'm not, I like to motivate and inspire young girls, so many right. little girls that want to be country singers now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a good thing, that's a good thing. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Well, so, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was oh, wondering, no, no. I was wondering if each, uh, if either one of you all could um, maybe reflect upon the intersection between art and politics, um, since, um, you know, um, black music has basically um, been, particularly African-American music, has been sort of like the soundtrack for so many movements 
and inspired so many movements. You know, we think about the movement of the South Africans against that, you know, racist regime. Um, you know, they were inspired by by African Americans. <laughs> you know, you think right. about, you know, what's happening in Palestine, you think about what's happening in other other places where people are saying, No, we're not gonna have this a lot of them being inspired by us and and you think about the soundtrack of these movements. Um can you just talk about sort of the intersection between art and politics. Right. Well in I mean, your in your work. Well I mean um I feel I mean music is always I mean it's it's about what's really going on in everyday life in the community and politics mm-hmm. is definitely deeply involved in that. I mean the whole civil rights movement, music was the backdrop of that. I mean in the whole but just even right now, like with the Oscar Grant situation in Oakland, I mean, yeah. I've been working with a lot of artists. I mean, as soon as something happens, like we're, the, we're like the reporters of what's going on in the community and how people are feeling. So mm-hmm. people are feeling like, you know, saying they want to uprise and they want to rebel against the system, which a lot of time oppresses people or try to hold people back. It's like music gives people that energy and inspiration to fight, you know what I'm saying, to keep pushing, you know what I'm saying, and, and motivate themselves. So I always try to report about just like with the Obama situation like that was a current event that was happening right then you know what I'm saying I had to make a song about it to express how I was feeling so I mean music and politics yeah, yeah. goes hand in hand just like music and love you know what I'm saying or music and yeah. you know and it's all about how the people are feeling and politics is definitely deeply involved in everything that we go through on a daily yeah. basis I have to agree with Kev on that too you know it's, it's you can't even separate the two because all the music we put out there is like um, it's like a reflection of our lives and the everyday life and the situations that we go through, whether it be politics, whether it be religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like um, on my album, I, it feels good. I, I, there's a song that I perform at all the Obama um, fundraisers that I did th- throughout the course of the um, campaign. It, um, it feels good, and it's called. It says that because there's an unfamiliar freedom that we're going to feel right now with him in office, with him even running, with the inauguration, and there's a healing wind of change going on, which is part of the lyrics. And I think we're ready for that change, and it's been proven. And we just got to give him a chance to, you know, don't expect too much too soon, and right. you know, just kind of just be. Be thankful and happy that we got somebody in there that's going to do the work that needs to be done mm-hmm. and yeah, support well, him. Yeah, yeah, and allow us to be able to take part in the work because a lot of times right, you want to help exactly. it and they're just like, no, we don't want you in here. But, you know, Obama said, oh, you know, I am not your savior, people. <laughs> right, <laughs> we have that's to do this right. Together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, yeah. Uh, well, thank you both so much. Um been speaking with, with uh, Kev Choice and uh, Kamika um, excuse me, um, John, looking for my notes. Oops. Nico, girl, I'm going to get yeah. you. Yeah, I know you're going to kill me. It's like, oh, where's my paper? <laughs> it's like, oh. Well, thank you, Wanda. And, Kev, I'm looking forward to seeing you Definitely and does. meeting you. And we're going to rock it out for the kids, and we're going to have some fun. Right, right. yeah, and so that's on Wednesday. Make sure they come out and tell all their friends. And, you know, family. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 8 o'clock on eight Wednesday. O'clock. Is it just one show, eight o'clock, and it's then one, a show? Yeah, one. It's one long, continuous show starting at oh, eight. Oh, that's gonna be that is gonna be so awesome. That is gonna really yeah. be awesome. Yeah, don't don't kill me. <laughs> uh-uh, I don't want to get you. I was just so joking. Oh, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be such a phenomenal concert. Um, yeah, everyone needs to be there. It just be like, okay, Obama's inaugural is on the twentieth, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. 
and then and then the next day, the twenty first, you know, you know, you go celebrate some more at uh yeah. with those town jazz, you know, <laughs> workshops. Celebrations to last for a long time. Like I hope people just don't you know what I'm saying? Even with the election, it seemed like people kind of, like, the excitement died down for a minute. I could feel it building back up, you know what I'm saying? But I just hope people stay excited about this and understand the historical context, you know what I'm saying? It's, I mean, I wish right. I could be in D.C., you know what I'm saying? But I, the reason I didn't go to D.C. is because I knew I had this show the next day and I didn't want to risk, you know what I'm saying, not getting back, you know what I'm saying? But I was definitely looking forward to that. But I just hope that people stay, you know what I'm saying, inspired by this with the current state of the media. I mean, every news story, they flipping every day, you know what I'm saying? Just like with the whole right. plane in the Hudson yesterday, it's like they've been on that for all day, and then tomorrow will be another story and another story. Yeah. Like, right. People got to make sure we, we we stretch this out as long as possible. You know what I'm saying? For yeah, the we, whole, should stretch, we should stretch it out years. for four years, and then we should all go to the re-election, you know, when he gets inaugurated again for the That's second right. time. Then we yeah. can all, like, That's we right. can make our, you know, book our, our flights early. Definitely. And uh, and we can all go hang out in D.C. It's like, okay, black president, <laughs> two terms in a row, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then have some, and be grooming someone else to step into place. It would be great to have a woman next, wouldn't it? Well, you almost had one this time. It was close. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Nice, but a, a black woman would be really cool. Oh yeah. Maybe one of y'all would like to run. We why might as well go all out, you know? Just oh, go all you. out. Totally, yeah. <laughs> well I've got folks waiting in the wings, um, you know, Youth Speaks does their um bringing the noise every year and they're gonna be um on the air next talking about this year, um, their program on Monday, um, January nineteenth. So again, you can catch uh Kev Choice and uh Miko Marks, both of their bands are part of the Oakton Jazz workshop fundraiser on Wednesday, 8 o'clock, a very long set that you don't want to miss. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yoshi's Oakland. Thank you all so much. I look forward to seeing Thank you, you on Wanda. Wednesday. All right, you take care. You take okay, care. Peace, peace and blessings. Ah, Hadari. Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm Thank good. You How are you? On. And, oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy you fit me in your schedule because I've been wanting to talk to you for like hey. over a year. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, you were on a Uh-oh. panel with the um, uh, the San Francisco International Arts Festival over at, mm-hmm. the, um, at the San Francisco Main Library. And before mm-hmm. that, I think I had read about you. And I'm like, oh, I want to talk to that brother. He just sounds like so... So cool and so smart. And um, we've been joined by, I guess, a poet. Uh, I don't know the person's name. Mike uh, Turner. Mike Turner. Okay, cool. Yeah. Super. Yeah, but the Bringing the Noise, I just I just love that name. Reminds me of, you know, Bringing the Noise, um, you know, Bringing the Funk, you know, that yeah. um, Broadway yeah. show, um, you know, that was yeah. like the history of our people. Yeah. Yeah. But let me no, every time, I, every time I hear Bringing the Noise, I think of Public Enemy. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but every time I guess you know, bring the yeah, noise. That's, bring yeah, the noise. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Hadari, let me let me introduce you. Hadari Davis is African American grassroots educator, activist, artist, and leader, and he's one of this generation's most sought after educators and activists. And uh, Dr. Pedro Ngara, if that's how you pronounce it, uh, professor of urban education at Harvard University, says. Quote, Hadari is one of the best teachers I have ever seen. He has inspired thousands of youth to succeed beyond their own imaginations and encouraged generations of people to rethink their perspectives on urban, youth, and hip-hop culture. 
and he has degrees from UC Berkeley, uh, undergraduate and a master's degree in education from San Francisco State University. And he is um, one of the uh, principals at Youth Speaks, uh, which is a wonderful organization that gives young people a vehicle to express themselves artistically, um, uh, you know, um, you know, on the page and also, you know, out loud in performance. And so, Hadari, introduce um, our guest, my other guest. Okay, so I got Brother Mike Turner from Encino High School. He's performing um, at Bringing the Noise okay. uh, for MLK tomorrow. I mean, I'm sorry, Monday. Uh, right now we're both at um, a conference that we're facilitating for youth in the city of Oakland called Words as Weapons, which is kind of a, a partner um, event that we do with bringing, bringing the noise for MLK. Uh, we, we feel like it's important that it's not just about artistic presentation and performance, but we're very much um, sort of focused on civic engagement and on youth empowerment. So this workshop and this series of workshops is designed to empower young people, and Mike is here to participate, to volunteer, and to represent on, on the telephone. How about that? <laughs> well, welcome, Mike. Um, I, I I teach at the College of Alameda, and actually, uh, when I first started teaching, I guess twelve years ago, I had classes at Encinal. Um I, I taught kids that needed some extra credits for their English to graduate, and so I had like a resistant capture uh, captive audience at three right. o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, we don't want to be here, but we want to graduate. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like it was an experience. Um, but, yes, uh, great campus. Uh, you all have had some different, you know, administrative shifts. Because when I was, when I was uh, working there, you had an African-American vice principal. And the principal, he was really cool. I and mean, he went, I think, to be the superintendent of schools for Alameda. And I don't know where he is now. And, and then they had the um, – uh, there was a, another school that was on the site, but they wanted to be uh, a charter school. And I don't know if they are a charter school, but they were like an arts-based school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how how are things in Encinal now? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So you want to you want to give us a poem or something? Because I've been talking all morning, and I think I need um, some poetry. <laughs> you want to share something with us? Uh, I got a little. I got a little something for you. <clears throat> okay. Let's go one shot. Bang, bang, yeah, we shooting in the dark, piercing hearts, starting sparks, sparking sparks with no fuse. We feud, a family feud. I'm black and you're black, we family, but we feud. That's cruel, but it's so true. Minorities killing minorities, that's why we so few. That's all I got for you. Yeah, so that, was that inspired by anything in particular? Because I know they they had a lot of things around um, Stop the Violence. Because I live in, I live in, yeah, I, I, always yeah. I live in the ghetto. I live like <laughs> right off a of seminary in East Oakland, and people get killed all the time in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Which is well, really I, don't, I wouldn't say it's like influenced off one event, but mm -hmm. just the uh, reoccurrence of like black on black violence, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me about um, Monday. Bringing the noise. What's happening there? I mean, this is such a wonderful Yeah, this is, this is uh, an annual event. This is our 12th year putting this event on. Um, it used to be a much smaller theater, but because of the demand and the fact that we used to have standing room only audiences, we try to move up into larger theaters. So we're in the Herbst Theater this time. 
Um, the event is uh, Monday. It starts at 7 o'clock. It's called A Certain Kind of Fire and Noise for Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Um, and it's, it's going to be an exciting event. It's feature young people from all over the Bay Area. Uh, we've got some middle school students. We've got some high school students. We've got some professional poets and artists. Uh, it's usually a very dynamic performance. Um, and coming at a very interesting time, you know, at the intersection between Oscar Grant on the left and, you know, the inauguration on the right, it's it's kind of a, it's going to be an interesting um, sort of rope to walk. You know, I think the um, the attitudes and demeanor of young people in the in the Bay Area right now are probably less focused on the inauguration and more focused on Oscar Grant. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting intersection. Um, a lot of times, you know, You Speaks is mostly known for poetry, which is, which is kind of, just kind of interesting because, um, in addition to the poetry, you know, it's really just about young people speaking their voice and articulating their stories, and just like Mike just did just now, you know, sharing their own particular insight on common social problems, and so, um, in as much as we try to you know, promote poetry and try to promote art. We're also about promoting civic engagement and civic responsibility and, and, and really trying to empower young people to not just speak their truths but also be heard, you know. So for our event, the, the stage is really important, but to me, at most Youth Speaks events, audience is more important than even what goes on on the stage because it's about what people take in back to their communities after they, you know, experience this celebration of, of Martin Luther King, Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, when you mentioned that you all were both um, participating in workshops which lead up to the um, uh, Bringing the Noise, uh, I guess, event on Monday, mm-hmm. on Martin Luther King, Jr. Day, I was thinking about Gordon Parks, and I was thinking about his book, um, you know, when he talks about, what I don't remember the title of the book, but it's one of his autobiographies, and he talks about how, you know, his camera, you know, was his weapon. And, mm-hmm. and you talk about words as weapons. And I think Mark, Malcolm X talked about, you know, the power of of the word. And, you know, Mumi Abu-Jamal talks about the power mm-hmm. of the word. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, even if, you, you know, if, you, if you're if you a student of biblical literature, you think about how words create people in an African tradition. You know, words, when you name something, you call it into being. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you think about the naming ceremonies and just... And you know that movie uh, with Saul Williams, Slam. Slam, you know, he walks yeah. out into that that the yard at the prison, mm-hmm, and he like mm-hmm. doesn't want to be a part of any of the gangs. And he mm-hmm. he's been writing this poem called Amethyst or something like that mm-hmm, in the cell, mm-hmm. and then and then he gets out there, and it's like, you know, everybody wants him, and and if he doesn't join up, they're gonna hurt him. And he's like, no, you know, I'm just gonna just spit my poem, and and I'm like, I tell my students like, wow. Look at the power of words. I mean, it made everyone stop in their tracks, mm-hmm. and he was able to walk out of that situation. I'm like, oh, that is so cool. And they're like, Miss Sabeard. I mean, that is a movie. I mean, um, you know, and yeah, and, but it, it is. But you know that that theme is really similar to just the life of Dr. King, or just you know what what we've seen Uncle Obama be able to eclipse these long-standing obstacles you know, that stood in the way of people before him who were equally, if not more, qualified to be president of the United States of America, but they just couldn't get past the obstacles of their words, you know, and it was like their words clashed with their look, 
relative to sort of the American standard and expectation. So it's it's really, um, you know, for us, uh, you know, emphasizing the word is 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 really not just speaking things into being, but um, really challenging, you know, and questioning, and really being critical, you know, and using words to analyze from from our own perspective. You know, it's too often that young people go to schools and they hear one perspective, one angle, and that angle does not necessarily reflect or represent their worldview. And so, you know, organizations like ours, I think, you know, one of the main reasons why we use the, the term Youth Speaks, which, by the way, is a, is a term that's born out of the Harlem Renaissance, um, you know, we use that term because you know, we're emphasizing that young people not only have a right but also have a responsibility to speak and that older people like myself <laughs> and those even older than me, um, you know, have a responsibility to listen and be responsive and, and, and really um, and sincere and open ears and not with, you know, judgmental, just from a judgmental place. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, I remember when... Um Youth Speaks uh, collaborated with Robert Moses Ken and um, had this piece where, uh, member, yeah, where members of of the ensemble were actually a part of the choreographed uh, evening, and it was just really wonderful hearing those different stories and those different voices because, um, you know, Youth Speak does give stu- give young people and. An, a platform because you know you can write in your diary and nobody ever knows you wrote in your diary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I really, That's I really appreciate. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all my all my best poems are in some journal somewhere underneath, you know, in my mama's attic or something. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but just because the organization, you know, and it's such a big organization. I remember when it wasn't as huge as it is, and when you know the slams weren't as big as they are, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like a it's a thing that's happening nationally and internationally. And, you know, it was like, it wasn't that Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's, it's crazy because it's actually, um, it, it, it grows on its own. It doesn't require, you know, a lot of watering. You know, you don't have to till it too much. It grows because it's, you know, I like to say that it's essentially an American experience. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that, um, in the way that Obama talks about his life, being an you know only it can only happen in America. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you speaks just the idea itself is born out of this notion that everybody has a right to speak and be heard, mm-hmm. and that essentially is an American idea, you know. Um, and in as much as we reclaim that idea and really take ownership of it, uh, it really changes the dynamic and fabric of who's speaking and who's being spoken to, you know, and who's being heard. Right. Um, in this country and outside of this country. You know, we had to, you know, I, I organized the uh, International Youth Poetry Slam, which happens in a different city every year. But last year we were in D.C., and this group from Trinidad came. And it was just interesting to see how structured their poetry was. It was very, you know, in the box of what we traditionally think of poetry. You might hear a twas come out of their mouth or a, a hither. You know what I mean? Like, you're from Trinidad. You're talking about hither? It's interesting because from their angle, they see us, and we're like free speakers, free-flowing. You know, these young people like like Mike are just ripping openly, like they're they're speaking from their heart and from some classroom text that said this is how you write a poem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's redefining poetry as free speech, or maybe it's redefining free speech as poetry. Either way, Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, it's creating a, a new platform for people to speak. And whether or not they call what they said a poem or not, it's really irrelevant. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to let um, our listeners know that we're speaking to um, Hadari uh, Davis and Mike Turner, and they're talking about Youth Speaks 12th Annual Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Noise for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it's going to be on Monday, January 19th at the Herbst Theater in San Francisco, 401 Van Ness Avenue, not far from the Civic, is it Civic? No, no. It's, yeah, Civic Center BART Station. You can walk Yeah, it's like somewhere. right around from the Civic Center yeah. BART Station. Not yeah, so do, do BART. Um, I don't know if that's politically correct right at the moment, but I think people are still writing. Well, it's actually, uh, it's actually located inside the War Memorial Veterans Building, so it's 401 Van Ness. It's, it's right near... City Hall, so right. it's not the BART is not the only way to get there. There's plenty of ways to get there. There's parking um, in and around uh, uh, the, the Veterans Building. Right, so. yeah, and if you, if you do drive, definitely carpool. Um, and tickets are reasonable, $6 for youth under 20 and seniors and 16 for general admission, and the phone number is 415-392-4400, or you can go to cityboxoffice.com for tickets because they mm-hmm. do sell out. If you know the Herbst Theater, it's it's a little bit bigger than Yerba Buena uh, Forum, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not a whole lot many times. You know, not a whole lot bigger, and they will times. sell out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and definitely. they will sell out. I, I definitely <laughs> encourage people, if they don't have tickets already, to get there early um, because it will sell out. We are expecting to have a full audience. Uh, there are still tickets available, however. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So, Mike, I wanted to ask you if you could respond to um, – the topic words as weapons and how you know being able to to write in particular um, and to be able to have a forum or an audience for your words has empowered you as a young person. And could you tell us how old you are? Uh, I'm 17, by the way. Okay. But um, I got involved in this last year, and then uh, I used to just write just to like just to write because I had to in class and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um. I'd say just, like, me as a person since I've been involved with, like, writing and um, having a place to vent, like, myself mm. to, it just, it has, um, it's educated me a lot, actually. And just being in the atmosphere with other educated people, I think that's just a really great concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so the uh, the idea of your, your language, you know, developing, having a conversation or a discourse has expanded, you know, um, you know, who you know because yeah. now you're a part of a different kind of, or you say, I guess your discourse has expanded to include others. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, is there some validity going, like, do you feel validated uh, in, in some way? You know, like, for instance, maybe when you were just writing for yourself, you didn't necessarily know that other people were feeling the same way, and now that your community is larger and your conversation, you know, has a, lar- a larger, a longer reach, um, are you finding that you feel validated? It's like, oh wow, you know what I'm saying is actually touching this person, or this person feels like yeah. similar. You- yeah, definitely. Just because, like, I don't know. The thing I like about it the best is just reactions, or like mm-hmm. how how what how a story that affected me in my life can affect somebody totally different. Like yeah. how, like uh, I don't know. Like I know this girl who got killed by drunk driving. How mm-hmm. that made me like never want to drink, but then it made another kid like. Like, I don't know, just feel, like, totally different about a situation. So I think that just mm-hmm. validates me and that yeah. that keeps, like, that keeps me interested because there is a cause, you know. I mean, I'm not just writing and just performing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm affecting. 
Yeah. So I think that's really. Can I can I speak to that real quick and just oh, say good. that I I feel like um, you know there is an emphasis in a lot of youth development organizations in in creating or encouraging young people to become artists, mm-hmm. and and as much as 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 that is important because you know without the creative mind and the imagination you can't even you can't even envision a new world you can't envision change, mm-hmm. but I think. In as much as we are, you know, about training the next Nikki Giovanni's and 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 the next, you know, Amiri Barakas, I think we're we're equally as interested in 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 producing, you know, the Martin Luther Kings and the Barack Obamas. And, I, and I, one thing that I want to say about that is that it used to be that you could only get kind of training if you were in the church or if you were in the mosque, because the Nation of Islam was big on teaching people how to speak, and in the churches. You know the the youth minister, the youth ministry program. I mean, it's still strong today. There's a lot of young people who are training to be outspoken, but they're they're training to be outspoken from a, from the biblical angle. And I think, you know, why this why this catches fire and why it why it speaks to something in young people um, is because you know it's a secular way to uh, arrive at the same result. It's really sharpening their tongues. You know, and it's sharpening their speech. It's providing them with more vocabulary, more opportunity to get engaged in dialogue. And it's it's a very, you know, unique thing to this time because, you know, 30 years ago, you're not going to get a diverse group of people sitting in a room learning how to speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we live in most of this country still is very, very segregated. Um, I mean, I, I like to think that Youth Speaks is something that can only be born in the Bay Area. Like, it could live in other places, mm-hmm. but it could only have been born here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about some of the other, um, you know, programs that come out of um, Youth Speaks. You know, you know you've know, got Mark Bamuthi, uh, Joseph, and I, mm-hmm. met, I met Mark when I saw this film called Slam Nation. And he wasn't living here then, but he was on tour with the film, and it was a part of the Mill Valley Film Festival. Right. And, um, and that was when Slam... Slam the slam thing and the slam poetry was a new thing, and uh, and then Mark ended up moving out here, and uh, he had the uh, second Sundays that he hosted yeah. out of the Independent, and then he did some other stuff, and then and then Youth Speaks comes along, and you know he becomes a part of that because he's always been sort of like an activist, writer, artist, mm-hmm. performance person, and uh, and then the Living Word Project, which is. Um, I don't know how old the Living Word Project is, but I just love the idea of a, a living word. I mean, that's just such a lovely term, <laughs> and and you know, and include you know, sort of moving the the spoken and the written into performance, and looking at music and the different connections between the arts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, which is mm-hmm. really really great. Sort of you know, sort of like the next step kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bamuti is definitely the future aesthetic. <laughs> you know, he he's the one who uh he's kind of the the person who pulls you speaks, I'm the person who pushes you speaks. Uh-huh. Um, you know, his artistic career has definitely um kind of exploded. He's he's definitely on the rise artistically. Um and I think what that does for us is that, you know, it enables us to see the the not only the power of art but also have the kind of connections that we can create avenues for other people, other young people to get engaged on a deeper level. You know, it's 
it's not art for art's sake. You know, if, if you're if we're not producing art to change the world or to imagine a new one, then what's the point? It's just frivolous. Yeah. You know? So for us, like it, it, it's, it's as important to speak to the issue as it is to act on the issue. Mm-hmm. And Bamuti definitely, you know, embodies that in his in his projects and in his work. Yeah, you know, I sort of thought when you said that it's not just art for art's sake, I thought about June Jordan and Poetry for the People. Yeah. And and then I thought about Richard Wright, you know, uh, this is his centennial year. Um, he made yeah. last year, and, you know, this is, he's still we're still in the, the centennial of his birth. And he, and, you know, he had, he had conversations with Langston Hughes and I think James Baldwin and yeah. some of the other folks about, you know, well, you know, we don't have time to, like, write about, flowers uh you know squirrels yeah i mean really we don't (laughs) we don't have time to write about flowers and squirrels there's too much thing going on in the community that needs young people and and people of color and you know disempowered people disenfranchised people we need those voices in the conversation Mm -hmm. you know the the decision makers oftentimes don't ever hear those voices and so it's important for us when we get you know you speak there's there's a lot of hype associated with you speaks because we get these opportunities one way or another we find ourselves in the rooms of people with power and that's why you speaks expands and grows but if we don't use that to access other people new people new organizations and new ideas into the conversation then it's we're wasting our time you know and we're not about hollywood <laughs> you know we're not here just for entertainment value um you know i, I it's interesting because, you know, my my own personal and professional history is really based in activism and, and, and based in um, alternative education, um, ethnic studies, and so on. And so, you know, the con- in that context, it's like I'm a, I'm a resistor. <laughs> I'm not like the guy who's easily co-opted, you know, and I, and I don't feel like this movement that we're trying to um, empower should be co-opted. You know, and and without without a focus on civic engagement, without a focus on the sincerity of the voice, get co-opted. You know, if you're willing to sign up to anything, we could be selling Coca-Cola right now. Mm-hmm. Like really, you know, Philip Morris would give us hundreds of thousands of dollars to sell cigarettes right now. Mm-hmm. These kids can speak. You know, they they're the ones that could be in the commercials. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, so it, yeah, for us, we're not just trying to train media people. We're trying to, you know, train activists. Yeah, I just want to let people know that we're speaking to um, Hadari Davis and Mike Turner, and um, they are uh, speaking about bringing the noise. Uh, you speak 12th annual, um, I guess, uh, tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and it's on Monday, January 19th, 7 p.m., Get your tickets right away because they do sell out, so don't wait till you get to the door because you might be disappointed. Um, you can uh, call 415-392-4400, or, or you can uh, go to cityboxoffice.com, and you can yes, always visit youthspeaks.org. Is that your email? Or your, I mean, is that your website? That's our, that's our website, www.youthspeaks.org. Okay, cool. Well, right. we got all that in, um, and... <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, right on. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, but I definitely, we definitely have to do this again. Um, okay. I can, and, you know, maybe I can give you an hour, and you can have some other poets on. But I'm going to see you on Monday. Okay, and, right uh, on. And I, and I hope you have a great weekend, and definitely um, 
looking forward to finding out more about words as weapons, and maybe next time, you know, you all can let me know about that also. Um, so all right, I can yeah. I it for you. Okay. Are you thank you very much for your time. Oh, well, thank all you. Right. Thank you both, uh, Hadari and Mike. You take care. All right, thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye.